Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20-year Wall Street veterans that have taken on secret identities, adopted disguises, changed our voices, so that uh, in these turbulent times we can stay employed and still come to you with our unfiltered, unvarnished views on uh, stocks every week. Uh, every week we get together, as you know, and look for ideas in that week's Value Line Investment Survey, which is our sole resource. This week we're looking at the issue dated September 26th, 2008. But first, I want to remind everybody that uh, this is for entertainment purposes only. That's so important. If you're listening for any other reason, you should quit yeah. listening right now. Absolutely. Um, and we may own all Watch the stocks. Game. We may own all the stocks we talk about, or none of them, or having other conflicts of interest. Um, and chief among those, the fact that we may know nothing about uh, what we're talking about. But, um, I don't know much this week. I always give it my best shot. If you want to learn more about us, uh, see pictures, uh, please visit uh, our website, www.thevalueguys.com. There's a survey there, too. Right? Yeah, there's a survey there. You'd be yeah, very interested to take helpful that. To and us. we'd like you to take it, too. In the second half of the show, well, first I was going to, uh, what do we have this week? We have uh, utilities. We have telecom services, telecom equipment, pharmacy service, a lot of services, cable TV, auto parts. Uh, in the uh, second half of the show, I'm going to be back with three really cheap stocks. What's not cheap? Really. Uh, but cheap, first, man? I'm going to turn the show over to Val uh, with our two-minute market flash. Go, Val. <laughs> two-minute market flash. <laughs> well, I'm just going to need that much time to get for an airbag. You have two you know minutes. What I'm saying? <laughs> uh, it's been airbag. volatile. It's been volatile. And, uh, you know, we're up, we're down. I'll say this. Small cap value is holding its own. It's becoming a stock picker's like market. Iron Man is strong. In the sense that <laughs> some stocks go down a lot, and you should not pick those. Uh, in that camp, I guess I should apologize for some listeners because I do recall a while back uh, recommending AIG. And that's been under a little pressure. Oh, and I, I believe, just to be pressure. candid, I thought Nortel's cash position was going to help um, hold up the valuation. And there. so, you know, that's plummeted. I still think it's good. Uh, they're still in business. They seem to be one of the ones that the government thinks needs to stay alive. Uh, and then uh, I do also remember recently recommending a little thing, Pilgrim's Pride, which uh, I just have to say I sold. You know, we bought it around 10 on this theme of chicken gaining share. That's all still valid. Uh, and I'm not usually a knee-jerk reaction kind of a guy, but they had some covenants come up at the bank. They're a little bit levered from a gold gold-kissed acquisition. And who needs that? Who needs that? Uh, so I backed away uh, from that. Uh, but small cap value has been beating all the major indices. Uh, stock picking's in vogue. You've got to try to pick stocks where... And for just as many of those blow-ups we've had, we've also identified uh, some nice takeouts over time. We have. Well, that's true. I mean, we've... But uh, if you go to our site, there's a button there, Val's Best Picks. You can go check it out. Every few weeks I put my best pick up there. They're doing okay, which means down not as much as a few months ago. Uh, and, uh, of course, we're going to learn a lot, of night, a lot tonight at the debate. A lot uh, of the impact on the market, I think, certainly is, are they going to come up with this bailout? Well, maybe My, this will help straighten out this whole conflicting poll thing, right? I mean, one candidate's either ahead by 2 or 12 or no one knows. Or, well, I think the biggest thing coming out of the election is going to be the capital gains tax rate for me. And I think the market's waiting to hear about that as well. The current situation, people seem to think it's a bailout, you know, government buying back assets at a value that uh, seems reasonable is probably the proper role of government, get the credit markets working again. I was looking at some data today, and it turned out over the last four years, 
Uh, and this is on the statistical abstract of the United States. It's all available on Google. You can link into it. But in the last four years, on average, uh, there's $12 trillion of credit uh, taken out, powering a $14 trillion economy. Is that a lot? It's a lot. Oh. And, but it puts the $700 billion in perspective. But I was working through some numbers today. Here's the deal. The $700 billion, here's my guess. Paulson thinks there's $500 billion of bad loans. There's a 10 multiplier on that in terms of lost capital at the banks and a reduction of loan capacity. So that would translate into $5 trillion of lending capacity, which looks to me like it powers about half of a year's GDP. So there's a lot at stake. Hopefully they're going to figure this out. I think they will. And we can get back to some type of normal. And then if you look at this as a normal recession, which it is, employment, GDP, those kinds of numbers are going to be fine relative to past downturns. Uh, and we're going to start to, you know, have some of these stocks work out. But small cap value has already started to work, and uh, so I think that remains a good place to be. Anyway, that's my editorial comment for this week. Or would you say market You're up minute? First. You're I didn't up know first. there was a market minute. Market so that flash. was just uh, extemporaneous. If mm -hmm. you all right, three ideas this week from Val. Uh, I think all of them I've talked about before because I really – you know, didn't have time to be that prepared this week, and I really want to apologize to the listener for that in advance. Although uh, I know some of these. Are you going to talk about a stock or what? Yes, I am. Yes, we're I in am, like the twelfth minute yes, or something. We are. Well, come on. Okay, I'm going to get right to no, it. No, we're then. in the sixth. Let's get to this. AT and T, ticker T. And what I like about AT and T is a lot of things. Uh, one thing is you got to admire these companies with the single letter tickers like T. Uh, there's a long history to AT&T, and I'll get into it in a minute. But my theme on AT&T is they're the best brand in the wireless world, certainly, uh, which is growing. And they've got uh, deep roots in telecommunication. That gives them the credibility and authority in the space. And they're on a frickin' tear with their market share in wireless because they have the exclusive distribution on the, uh, on the iPhone, which turns out to be... Evidently, not a bad product, other than the battery life. So we got to work on that. Who are they? Singular? Uh, they're singular. Yeah. Uh, but then, in addition to being a worldwide brand in wireless, a United States brand in long distance, which you know was a long time business, they are. Uh, they're actually a brand. The old AT and T, which split up its babies into the baby bells actually got into some trouble by uh, extending themselves in some acquisitions, overpaying, and turned out long distance was not the great business they thought. They never got into the computer business the way they hoped. And so they kind of withered. But one of their baby bells, SBC, which had the uh, sort of Texas area, uh, ended up being the best-run Bell Regional, and they started buying a bunch of the other Bell Regionals, like uh, Bell South and uh, Ameritech. And then they bought their former parent, AT&T, and changed their name from SBC to AT&T. But they were originally part of AT&T. So it's really all the same big family. And in addition to the uh, long distance and wireless, they have a 13-state wireline or landline business in places like California, Texas, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Missouri, Connecticut, Indiana, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, etc. cetera. Uh, it doesn't say, oh, it does. They have 59 million access lines. Uh, they've got uh, $250 billion in enterprise value. So if I'm going to do that math, it looks like 
something like 5,000 per subscriber. So that's very misleading because obviously a lot of the value here is in the wireless business, which they can take worldwide, and in the equipment business where they can still have an opportunity to sell product. The thing I'm drawn to is the valuation. It's five times cash flow according to value line. Uh, even with capital spending, there's 605 in cash flow projected for 09, 350 in cap spending per share. That leaves me with 250 in value line free cash, stock at 29. You know, that's a little over 10 or 11 times free cash flow, and I like that. Value Line has their earnings growing at 12%, so if I just do some simple math, I'm at a 9% cash-on-cash yield of some kind, and then I'm going to pick up uh, 12% on earnings growth. That gets me to some sort of 20% uh, return. Now, I can't be more specific on the enterprise value to EBITDA because for some reason, Value Line continues to show the accounting here like it's an old you know, utility, so operating margin isn't here. But they're putting up a 15% net margin, and that's after paying 34% in taxes, so their operating margin's got to be somewhere around 25%, and if it is, they're at nine times EBITDA, just backing into the math. They're putting a 12% return on capital up, 16% return on equity, obviously great brand. Uh, the balance sheet, you know, what you've got to pay attention to these days is it's not great, but uh, it is uh, not terrible. Value Line hasn't done the math here for me, so now I'm going to have to freaking do it. Let's see here. Uh, $80 billion in debt. Now, that sounds like a lot, uh, but they got $188 billion in total capital. And so what is it? That's some type of 40% uh, debt to cap, which for this type of business is no, pretty 30, fine. 30, They're 30, nine 30. times uh, covered on interest, and that's a great place to be. They're playing a, paying a 6% yield. That's the uh, number. Boy, 9.6 times time there, uh, on the P.E. It's, just, it's, a great, it's a great deal at a time where the stock's been down. The high on the stock is 43 last year. It's 29. It's no-brainer, AT&T, page 7. How about that, Fern? How am I doing? Wow. Okay. Are you just speechless now? Listen, I am. I need a beverage break. I'm shocked. You need a beverage yeah, I mean, break? You know, I'm having coffee after this week. each stock? Well, well, we're almost halfway through the show. How are you coming over there? I'm okay. We're, are we ha what, what's the minute mark? <clears throat> it's about 10 and a half. Okay. Quest Q, page 727. What do I like about Quest? A little bit less than I like about AT&T. But <clears throat> they are the regional bell in the old uh, U.S. West Territory, which they bought, and they made this nice play Ooh, can on I words. Tell them, can I tell them? No, that's my all right, all right. thunder, my friend. Okay. 9.2% uh, yield. Thank you. Okay. Uh, they're trading at eight times earnings, which I like. Now, here's some of the hair on this one, okay, because there is a little bit. Uh, their return on equity is NMF. Which means I don't uh, want to know not what it available. Means. This is a family show, and it please. also says here it's got this little phrase here: uh, interest not earned, which is Ooh. past the gray poupon. It is not. <laughs> it means something different. The yield uh, is only nine percent. Yeah, uh, evidently. Now I have some questions for Value Line because if I look over at the sales part, it's thirteen billion. Value Line says they have a thirty percent operating margin, so that's somewhere north of four billion in operating income yeah. plus depreciation, and they've got fourteen billion in total debt. So unless the interest rate on that is twenty five percent interest, there it is, right there. Yeah, a billion. A billion. Right, but then that leaves out some short term interest, but. Yeah, so, you know, if I do the calculation, it looks like interest is covered four times, but then it says here, interest not earned. And I think what Value Line does is when they look at interest not earned, 
they're not counting depreciation, which is a non-cash expense that you certainly have available to use for interest. And in the case of this particular company, depreciation is $2 billion, so it's probably roughly half of that operating I know, margin. I know if you owe me interest and you want to use your cash that's protected by depreciation yeah. to pay me with it, I'll be happy to Okay, it. well, I, and I'll, maybe I'll do that. It's Just ideal between Vern and I. Uh, in any case, uh, I think they are earning their interest. and uh, They're earning my interest. Okay, well, excellent. Now, according to Value Line, there is an economic malaise in the current housing market. So <laughs> maybe you want to be a little careful about that. The, the real risk to these guys is that people are coming Picture into their territory with cable... And, you know, AT&T, which I didn't even mention, has this U-verse, which is cable through the phone system. It's crazy. But in, in Quest's territory, I think the only way for AT&T to get into your home with their U-verse product is to come over uh, Quest lines and sort of rent them. Uh, and so they may be in on some of that. But the basic theme is that bandwidth is growing faster than GDP. These guys have a big leg up in their territory with brand. like the theme is the dividend's going to get cut. Well, that's not my theme. Not at all. Uh, brand and service. Not at all? That's not my theme. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, no, one that, of the things that... wouldn't be a very effective yeah, theme, Exactly. Would it? Okay. But one of the things that, you know, customers like about these old Bell companies is they know how to bill, they know how to get stuff to you on time, and they're very good about the back office. They've got great mailing lists. You have a single source of billing. Nothing to sell, but they sell it no, really well. No, they sell a lot of services that have commoditized, and that's why they've made a you know focus on having better service than the cable guys and things like that. Um, Fascinating. I, yeah, well, maybe not to you, my friend. But this thing is cheap as hell. Their core business is growing. And I think it's worth. Here, here's the other thing I want to say. We got this. We pegged this a few years ago around this price. It rose to about eight, and it's retrenched. I think that you know there's no reason that can't happen is again. It three. It rose uh, to what? What's it down from? Eight. Ten? Yeah, ten. Eight. So ten. we were on this back in uh, early 06. Maybe we picked it up at five or something, mm. and it did nicely. And now it's backed off because of a threat to their territory that I think is overblown. Quest, page 727. And then finally, I'll be super quick with this. Sally Beauty, SBH, page 809. Uh, the theme here is beauty. Okay. I'm beauty, in favor of that. Yeah, okay. Beauty grows uh, faster than GDP. With the demographics of the aging, it's going to grow even faster. And they sell um, salon-quality products at a discount through, you know, a, a system of uh, 3,400 stores around the country. They're in sort of off-price locations, and they sell a very high-quality product. What? Cheap rent, and people will drive yeah. out of the way to go there because of the incredible selection. That's exactly right, my friend, exactly right. They're putting up 13% operating margins. Uh, they've got a good, uh, you know, I think a good growth opportunity. They were spun out of uh, Alberto Culver in 69. Then they were part of Helene Curtis. They yeah, just but what, got, about, what about women trading down get, market because listen, of pressure on household income? I don't want to answer your question right now. I want to tell my story about mm. Sally Beauty. Um, put that in writing and I'll get right Sorry there. to be inconvenient. No, I just am trying to tell the story, Vern. Now, Sally Beauty just got spun out. A private equity firm came in around the same price, so we're in at a good price. It's about eight times EBITDA, and uh, they have an opportunity to grow not only the store base, but also gain share at a value end of the beauty market while beauty grows faster than GDP. They've had a lot of insider buy decisions recently, five in the last three months. Uh, the, the other rub on this thing is it's a little debt heavy. 
Okay, but that's because they were spun out with debt. Yeah. Uh, they are putting up a decent operating margin, and they're putting up a 16%. I have to drive out of the way to get there, which means using burning more now, gas. Now, this isn't you. Are you. Do you buy a lot of their products? For? Yes, I do. Okay, well. Okay. Uh, they target and, I, and I'm not going there now. I'm yeah. going to Target because I'm already at Target for a variety Target of other things. Target doesn't have their quality. I know they don't. I've had to sacrifice the best, okay. and I'm now Let's, I'm buying the best Target has, which is pretty good. Okay. Good. Good for you. 99% of their customers are women, so uh, Vern's, I think, habits aren't going to be important to the story here. Uh, they are finding customers among value shoppers who are tired of overpaying for a quality product. And I think uh, as a distributor, you don't have the risk of product changes uh, year to year. You kind of grow with the market, and uh, you know I think they're going to show a, a, a good uh, next couple years because of the spin-out and the new opportunities they can look at that uh, Helene Curtis, frankly, wasn't letting them pursue. Sally Beauty, SVH, page 809. And with that, Vern, Beverage I'm going to turn the show over to you. Oh, and... Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to the listeners, but uh, I've been drinking a little bit on the show this week, and I just want to apologize for that. So, anyway. Not on the show. No, well, actually, during the show. We never do. During the show. Well, no, I haven't. Hmm? What do you think's in there? What's in that? What do you think? I I guess I have an idea now, a better idea, anyway. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, we're in value. Sorry about that, folks. Wow. Thank you. Sure. I think. Okay, now we're going to talk about some seriously cheap stocks. None of this eight times EBITDA in a destroyed market where risk premium are way up. Uh, how about Nokia for less than five and a half times? Okay. Well, that brand's going to zero, this so stock, I don't know why oh, you come on. do that. Oh, yeah, I imagine What's it probably. What's their share here in America, Vern? Well, let's see. In, um, in, zero. Uh, in the Americas, they do 12% of their business. Then I wonder how fast that market's growing. In Asia Pacific, they do 35%, and in the Middle East and Africa, 14 They have bigger business in the Middle East and Africa than in the United States, well, share and loss it's happened growing here a first. lot faster. Their share loss happened here first. They still do 40% of their business in Europe. Okay, um, This is a global leader in uh, telecommunication products, primarily mobile phones, Handsets, 50% of revenue, but 80% of profit, okay? I almost forgot about them. Recognized as the global market share leader for many years, but giving up share in recent years, down now to around 40% on a global basis, okay? Um, the history of the company is interesting, Nokia. Uh, fin Finnish company, as you probably know, goes back to 1865, according to uh, Value Line. Did you realize that this used to be a chemical company and a paper company? And I think they were even in the tire business. Um, they uh, listed. Works, they sure, listed in, in. They listed in Finland in 1915. It's got to be one of the oldest public companies around. Hmm. Um, I wonder what they'll be in a hundred years from now. I don't know. Um, probably won't be mobile phones, though. No, will it won't. It? Um, they have a, some kind of a network business that accounts for about a quarter of revenue and lost money to the tune of 20% of total income um, and has been spun into a JV with Siemens as of April of last year. And they apparently have high hopes for what they're going to do to this business in terms of profitability. But in the short term, integration, newly formed, um, you know they've had some uh, they've had some short term earnings issues. They also made the acquisition of Navtech. I don't know if you read about this. Well, let's but they, just gloss over the earnings issues. They needed we'll just a move along then. 
I, I, I believe I just did. Yeah, I know the stock. Okay. Yeah, it, well, with listeners. all those problems, this stock that's trading at nine and a half times earnings with no debt and a large uh, net cash position to the tune of about $4 a share, trading around 20 okay. What makes you think they're going to have expect, nine more? According to Value Line, with the, these cuts and dilution of earnings, they're still going to have up earnings in 08, okay? It's trading for less than eight times cash flow with virtually no CapEx because most of the manufacturing is actually done by somebody else. Uh, they've, they've recently finished a $2 billion buyback, authorized to buy another four, works out to about 200 million shares on a 3,700 share base. It's about 6% of the outstanding. Uh, like I said, less than five and a half times EBITDA. Value Line just lowered their rating to a four last week with the stock down 50% off of its highs and at a stock price we you know you haven't seen since well okay last year but um, nevertheless I got a better than four percent yield uh, with a lot of negative expectations into something that returns between thirty five and forty percent on capital with operating margins in the mid teens and they, you want to uh, quibble with me about that no, giving I just up want to wonder and, I just wonder when they're going to have a smartphone to compete with the market oh leaders. they're way late right it's to yeah. their credit that the numbers credit. have held up as well as they have. Well, I think that they lost. Uh, just lost for a check on advantage. this, Ericsson, you know the uh, the, Sw the Swedish business, they're uh, at eight times, seven and a half to eight times EBITDA. Nokia, severe valuation penalty here for a high quality franchise. Uh, they're so gone, man. I, I, gone. You, that's that's under five and a half times. Okay, also under five and a half times. The auto parts area had a lot of stuff that's statistically cheap. Um, I've got. I think four different suppliers here, like AutoLeave. I love the uh, safety angle on them. Uh, four times TRW Automotive, four times Tenneco, four times. Um, I'm actually would argue I'm going to pay a little more and buy the right because they've all been thrown out. It's the baby with the bathwater phenomenon. But uh, there's a couple names here that don't really have a lot of exposure to either North American uh, new car uh, production rates or European. Um, mind you that, you know, the European market's expected to soften. Uh, the first one's Wabco Holdings, uh, WBC, not rated by Value Line. Uh, the old Westinghouse Air Brake Company, founded 1869. This is a brake business. There's also a Wabco that makes rail parts. I own that one. That friend. trades under the Wabco name, doesn't it? In a, a Wab Tech. A Wab Tech. Okay, thank you. Uh, not to be confused with this one. This is... Uh, Commercial truck, trailer, bus, and passenger car. But pass car, 5% of revenue. Truck and bus OEM, 60%. European market's been really strong the last couple of years. U.S. market's been terrible, so there's you know some offsetting cyclical factors there. They do 20% of their business in the aftermarket. Three-quarters of their business in Europe, the U.S. is only 7%. Um, this is a very high-quality business that I think looks pretty well situated and won't be penalized by what's going on in North America, like um, the other names. There's some risk here in Europe. I'll acknowledge that. I've got seven times cash flow, though. I've got a great capital structure, so my return on capital is better than 25%. Uh, Value Line says the outlook for the year ahead has improved because they've opened two new facilities, I'm sorry, three new facilities in India, one in China. So revenue is going to start to come online with a very attractive cost structure, if they need to, I mean, if the numbers turn out to be a little bit too high, they're going to be able to shut down expensive uh, capacity, probably in Europe, uh, uh, to the benefit of uh, these lower-cost facilities. The developing world, if the market doesn't soften up that much, then you just get to participate in all the growth that's uh, going on there. 
a little worried about the volume? You seem a little far from the microphone. Okay, I'll try to lean in a little more. The other name, and this one, uh, this was um, created as an independent entity about a year ago. It looks like mid-07, um, spun off out of American Standard. Okay, this was the Wabco broken out of that. Because um, Wabtech's been around independently longer, right? Well, you know, they both have the same resume. They both quote back to yeah, the Westinghouse Airbrake. Yeah. Yeah. The so. other one is Federal Mogul. You may know this name. <laughs> this was a uh, Chapter 11 because of asbestos related to, I believe, uh, brake pads, wasn't it? I used to cover this many, I mean, The, the symbol years they're ago. using now is FDML. Um, I have one of their parts of the year 15, in my office. $15 stock, okay. $15 stock, about eight times earnings. You know, I mean, this is less than half of a market multiple even. I don't know where the stock is, of course, in the last couple of what days. Do they, what do they make now? Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly. Parts, modules, and systems for in five segments, okay? Powertrain energy as opposed to powertrain ceilings and bearings. And that's where the – I know them as a big seal company, so, you know, uh, um, I, which I think is their most profitable product area. Um, vehicle safety and protection. So I think they're involved in airbags, but maybe making mechanical parts like metal parts and things like that. Um, and global aftermarket. Aftermarket is 37% of sales here. North America is 40% of sales. So I got a North American based business, right? That does 60% of its business in the rest of the world. It has a huge aftermarket business. Where do you think that is? That's here in the home market. I'll bet you that half of this North American business or more is the aftermarket business that's kind of living off of an old population. And they have huge growth in uh, original equipment markets in the rest of the world. Value Line talks specifically about China and India where they're putting up big growth. Um, and um, so I think I've got some insulation from uh, uh, problems in original equipment markets in the developed world. And in the developing world, I can grow rapidly and later benefit from the installed base and selling aftermarket products there. The question is, where am I best positioned to ride out a very difficult uh, global economic environment with the worst situation in North America? So I want to try to minimize my exposure to people buying new expensive stuff here. And that's my strategy here with this name. The numbers, I don't know if they're too high or not, but this stock, because of the history, right, three times cash flow value line estimates at better than $5 a share. There's $3 in CapEx. That still leaves me with 2 bucks of free cash flow with a $15 stock. My enterprise value with a billion and a half of equity and a lot of debt, almost $3 billion, offset, by the way, by $800 million in cash. Do okay, they, so I'm very liquid. I, uh, I have a question. Gives me a $3.6 billion enterprise value. I've got about $800 million I'll just wait on of that. EBITDA, or what uh, Value Line calls operating income. You get this by multiplying the operating margin times sales. Uh, take off about 800 or 800 million annual income in effect or cash flow. Is it question? Uh, gives me a multiple less than five times for um, something that really I you know sort of penalized because it's got uh, no track record right now. But I'm going to take a gamble on it just because it looks like I'm being paid to do that. Carl Icahn owns. Love 70, to get a question. Car, in a moment, uh, Carl Icahn owns 75 percent of this business. 75. Yeah, I don't think he owns it because he wants to run it for a long time. So I'm expecting this to flip. The valuations, this looks a good place to get in. It could still go. It could go at five times cash flow, and I'd make a lot of money. Now, what did you want to say about federal uh, I'm, I'm not remembering you, what Did I, you cover it back when the asbestos thing was first happening? No. Oh. Right after that. Right after that. But one of the things that was critical back then 
was, of course, what models are they on and how are those models doing? And, of course, value line doesn't really get into that. But do you have any knowledge, or does it say there, how much of their business is U.S. names versus Nope. Uh, North Japanese. America accounts for 40% of sales. That's all. But that could be a lot of That's the companies gaining market share. There's really – it talks about there's uh, – I mean, this is the, the the this stock is just entering value line again. Okay, got to be on. So it's this really cars, big picture about why it had been in bankruptcy, and they just put up some solid numbers, and they're expanding internationally, and that's all it says. So that's so what it's about. You have to what, do some homework. What are here. they on, and how's it doing? Yeah, yeah. FDML is the name, uh, Federal Mogul. So I'm going to say my favorite idea did you, did you is three? easily, yeah, Wabco and yeah. Um, Nokia. Nokia. Oh, Nokia. Nokia. My. Goodness, buy one of the world's that's most so, powerful brands in a rapidly no, growing no, market that's no. in a it's company so that's well-situated. It's Motorola of Finland. They're going to miss on the handset cycle. What else do they have? If their handset doesn't sell, what do they have in the back room that's selling? I think you're wrong. What's your favorite idea this week? Uh, AT&T, hands down. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody, for being with Thank us this you. week. Bye. We'll see you next week.